0: We invite you to attend the January 2023 Nomad Offshore Summit, here in Lisbon, Portugal. This podcast channel is about you, successful international entrepreneurs, successful expats, successful investors, sponsored by HCJ.tax. Thank you for joining us on the various platforms. Good to see you this afternoon, this evening, or whatever time zone of this morning, depending what time zone you're in. So we do this every week, and we, we do live streams every week. So we pick various topics of interest from a tax perspective, and we discuss them every week. So we've had a... Quite a healthy number of RSVPs and questions. We think we had 200 RSVPs. If you didn't get a chance to submit your questions in advance, please feel free to do so. You can just type in the box below. Uh, otherwise, we, if you've already submitted it, we have it and we get to them in the order in which they have been submitted. This is being recorded for those joining on Zoom, you would have seen the message that this is being recorded. So you can feel free to access it afterwards to either if you just want to revise what we discussed or review what we discussed or share it with your colleagues or friends, you can do so. It'll be on our website, hd.tax, where you can also see upcoming events. It will also be on YouTube as well as wherever it is you're going to get your favorite podcast. So that could be SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, uh, Google Play. Basically, wherever you get you, your podcast, you can probably find a copy of this afterwards. And we publish on those podcasting platforms every day as well. So we always put out fresh content daily. We So we've been doing this for a couple of years now, but we will return to in-person events come this January so from January 2023 we're going to have an in-person event in Portugal to talk about the nomad offshore experience especially for those who may be the beginning of the journey or would want to perfect their journey uh, look at new jurisdictions look at new opportunities for working remotely for investing we're going to be having an in-person summit in Portugal at the end of January have a look at hg.taxbot events for more details just for those who may be new, I'm seeing some, some names that we've seen before. Welcome back. For those who may be new, understand that we're not here to give advice. What we hope to do is equip you with key principles and subjects and issues that you need to take on board when you engage with your preferred advisor. This could not be advice. There's no way that we can know the someone's situation inside out just on uh, a, a few lines in an email or on a message in a box below in Zoom. So so please keep that in mind. You just need to take the issues, uh, digest them as best as you can and engage your preferred uh, test professional who's qualified in jurisdictions in which you would like to be exposed. Remember this is being recorded. If you would like your image not to be recorded, all you need to do is keep your camera off Otherwise, you will be recorded as well. So, with that in mind, welcome, welcome, welcome. And we're going to jump into the questions in the order in which we've received them. Again, feel free to type your questions below if you haven't already done so. So, if someone is asking, and this is a continuation, I guess, it's a popular topic I find these days. Uh, on the back of the live stream we did last week on US Portugal taxes, someone is asking about the treatments of US LLCs in Europe. So an LLC is a a unique entity in in the US. So in that, depending on the elections that you may or may not have made, and depending on the facts and circumstances, it can be a pass-through. So there are if it's just one of you in control of your LLC, then it's a single member LLC and could be treated like a sole proprietorship. If there's more than one member, then potentially it could be a partnership. Or if certain elections were made, it can be an SOC corp. So it is the treatment of an LLC and how it's how it's taxed, how it's regarded. It really depends on the facts and circumstances that are unique to it. So when it comes to Europe, of course if you're in a jurisdiction or just in Europe, but anywhere where there's a, especially where there's a double tax agreement or there's a special tax regime, then the treatment of the LLC, the US LLC in that jurisdiction is a special point of concern. Generally speaking, it it really, you know, I'm sorry, I can't give a definitive answer because it really is driven by your facts and circumstances. So, for example, if there's real substance, if there's real economic substance in the U.S., maybe there's a CEO, the employees or your partners, business partners in the U.S., then it is possible that when there's a distribution from the LLC to yourself in another jurisdiction, it can be treated as a dividend. It can be alternatively when if there's none, if there's no substance, and for example, the other extreme, it's a single member LLC, and then you are actually running that LLC from whatever your European country of choice may be, then it can be subject to the, the, the full weight of the tax rules in that jurisdiction, because most jurisdictions have a management and control test and they can view that management and control of this LLC is being done from within their borders. So there'll be corporate tax implications or just general profit taxes. Well, so the, the point is if you want for it to be treated in a certain way, you really need to speak with an advisor to get an opinion on the present way in which it may be regarded in ways in which you, you, you can restructure it to get uh, a more beneficial tax and commercial perspective. But the point is, do not believe that just by having an LLC, you would have the returns or the distribution from that LLC be treated as a dividend in your place of abode, or the jurisdiction, in which you, you, you have your place of abode. So that, that is, I know that is a perspective that's being pushed in certain other forums, but if you have a look at our website, at you did our tax, you'd see certain court cases and certain references where that has been overturned and that's not a the case. So again, to US LLC being run or you're receiving distributions from it in another jurisdiction, please seek advice because it can be pretty tricky. Okay, hope that helps. Next question right yeah someone is asking about aggressive tax planning well about tax planning okay let's 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 face facts the reality is that tax planning or tax structuring it suddenly has a negative connotation not just because of the various leaks you know paradise papers panama papers pandora papers or whatever so they it's not just a media thing but in the minds of the policy makers, as well as the various tax authorities, the whole idea of structuring and some sort of arrangement to benefit for just just to exploit certain tax benefits or certain treaty benefits, that's no longer, it's it's no longer fashionable. You know, if, if we had this conversation maybe 20 years ago, 30 years ago yeah absolutely right you could set up shell companies and you can do this and that but not in this you know not in 2022 as we head into 2023 you know we we're talking about principal purpose tests there are so many anti avoidance directives especially within the eu economic substance is you know it's that that type of legislation and that requirement is being rolled out across most jurisdictions and those jurisdictions that are hesitant they are being put in uh, and hesitant to the extent that they still have like offshore companies and zero tax, you know, where they may be viewed as tax havens, they're being put under pressure. So think Hong Kong and the United Arab Emirates being on a gray list. So this is real, this is real. And you can see that most jurisdictions are Coming on board and heading in that direction, i.e., moving away from zero tax to putting certain measures in place to ensure that there's this principle, the idea of money should be taxed somewhere. So, that's that. That's you asked from my perspective. That is my perspective. The days of aggressive tax planning is, is over. And various jurisdictions are looking at arrangements and they're putting rules in place. And practitioners who still have that old way of thinking, they are, you know, they're becoming rare than they were previously. And I, I like to give the example of a Facebook friend of mine, who he was a Canadian passport holder, is a Canadian passport holder. He was operating out of the Cayman Islands, and you know, there was a, when you are caught by one of the more advanced jurisdictions, and you're found to run afoul of the tax rules. One of the questions they ask is kind of like in the movies. They ask you, uh, who helped you? So who are your enablers? So I would imagine that a number of people call this guy's name as an enabler. So the IRS, it sounds like something from a movie, but it's real. The IRS put an agent on a plane to the Cayman Islands. And this agent was wearing a wire and he was recorded saying you know so this person came well i have this amount of money i'd like to invest could you help me fix it so that i don't have any i don't have to report anything basically uh, getting him to admit to helping with tax evasion so there's no extradition agreement with the caymans so that's so it was a sealed indictment no one knew that there was an ongoing investigation and then this person jumped on a plane to Miami and he was arrested on entering trying to enter the US and there was a plea deal so he did time and he was released you know, but he's no longer on Facebook so my, my point is this that if the, you have an arrangement uh an international structure and there's no real commercial benefit be careful be very very careful the days of structuring your affairs strictly especially internationally strictly for tax benefit when there's no real commercial benefit i propose that those days are over and those those people who engage in that activity they're going to find themselves in some pain later on and bear in mind that when an enabler is caught so a tax agent an investment manager whatever the first thing the tax authorities do is go through their books and look at all their other clients, because they assume that this is a pattern of behavior. So if it is you work with advisors, even if you're not doing anything shady, right? You're doing the right thing, you're abiding by all the rules. If that agent, if that uh, enabler, that tax advisor, that lawyer, that accountant, that that fund manager, whoever it may be, if they get caught, the entire list client list is under investigation. So you may be pulled in inadvertently because you are doing business with someone who's playing fast and loose with the rules. So keep that in mind. Moving down your list of questions. Okay, so sorry, sorry someone just sent me a message there. Uh, okay, yes, I'll deal with that later on. What if you have not been compliant with your US tax obligations? right uh yeah could we just limit the messages to questions that are related to the to 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 you know u.s international taxes uh yeah nothing about tv commercials and stuff like that thank you right okay so if you have not been compliant with your u.s tax obligations the question becomes well like what are your options so generally speaking of course you should always seek advice but generally speaking the two ways of approaching your journey to become compliant if it is your non-compliance has been non-willful so you did not intentionally seek and you didn't create structures with a view to avoiding this known legal obligation then there's one pathway for you if it is that you were Willful in your non-compliance, so you and you were intentional in seeking to avoid your U.S. tax obligations. That's that's another pathway. So the pathway for those who are non-willful typically revolves around something something called the streamlined compliance procedure. So under the streamlined compliance procedure, you go back three years for tax returns and six years for F and this is driven more or less by the statute of limitations. So. Three years, so the last three years, which due date has already passed. So for right now, that'll be 21, 20, and 19. And FBARs, for those who are not aware, under, I think, the Bank Secrecy Act, 1970, 1971, everyone who's U.S. exposed, whether they be citizens, green card holders, or those who have triggered substantial presence, they're legally obligated to report their foreign financial assets. So your bank accounts, mutual funds, Uh, brokerage accounts, whatever it is outside of the U.S. that is subject to U.S. reporting and then potentially taxation as well. So that is a legal requirement and the reporting of those financial accounts are on the FBARs, the foreign bank account report, otherwise known as FinCEN 114. So the look back period and the streamline, if you've been non-willful and you're non compliance will be three years returns and six years FBARs. If your non-compliance has been willful, then you're looking at a you know a version of the voluntary disclosure uh, agreement. And that would be the good thing. I mean, the important thing is the, the, the incentive really for you to come forward under one of these two programs would be that you would potentially get to legally avoid some or all of the criminal and civil penalties. So this is a huge incentive. So you go to the IRS before the IRS has found you and you get an opportunity to avoid some really draconian penalties, which can include jail time. So there's a serious incentive. If it is that you have your noncompliance has been willful, as we said, you're looking at voluntary disclosure and you need to reach out to ourselves or whoever your preferred U.S. tax team would be, because then you definitely, definitely, definitely need legal advice. You should not really attempt that journey of catching up with your past tax returns without getting legal advice from a qualified U.S. tax professional. So I hope that helps. Okay, moving down the list. The, someone is asking about Bali, Indonesia. So I think we actually do uh, a live stream on Bali because there's so many remote workers and digital nomads in Bali in Indonesia. So we do one that's special and focuses on US and Indonesia taxes. So I do that with my colleague who is the head of tax at our, our, company, our sister company, Moore's Roland in Indonesia. So Moore's Roland is like the fifth largest accounting firm in Indonesia. So they're pretty well established. So I do that with uh, my colleague Dickie. So that may be one for you to tune into. There, there are past, uh live streams on our website if you go to the HGGA.tax, and you just do a search in the box and it'll pop up but anyway you if you're interested in this digital nomad visa so we don't normally talk about visa stuff because we are really tax but obviously there's an intersection between immigration status sometimes and tax so it becomes inevitable that we we have to explore it so there has been a lot. It's in the international media. So I'll just make this pretty clear. Within the international media, so people who may not be so clued in and as close to the happenings of Indonesia as as we are, because of our, you know, physical presence in Indonesia, being that there's multiple offices in Jakarta as well as a satellite office in Bali, the Moores ruling. So for those on the outside looking in, there's a lot of buzz around this digital nomad visa. But bear in mind that unlike the one the digital nomad visa, let's say the welcome stamp in Barbados or the recently passed digital nomad visa for Portugal, there is actually no such thing as a digital nomad visa for Indonesia. It's being lobbied for by, you know, particularly Bali. But bear in mind that unlike Portugal or let's say Barbados or, you know, some of those other jurisdictions, tourism and remote workers are really really tiny parts of the indonesian economy depending on how you measure it less than five or less than two percent so it's a big deal for bali but it's not a big deal for indonesia indonesia is into natural resources extractive industries that's that's where their attention really is so while Obviously, the the governor and the politicians in Bali have been doing the right thing on lobbying for their island. Bali is one of 17,000 islands which make up the Indonesian archipelago. And so there's, there's a bigger picture. Understand that Indonesia went through a huge tax reform maybe a couple of years ago, I think two or three years ago, the omnibus bill. So it was huge by Indonesian standards in terms of the changes to the tax regime. So one would speculate that there's not much of an appetite to undergo any more radical changes to the the tax regime. On top of that, I think it was earlier this year, they went through a tax amnesty, another tax amnesty. They've been doing, I think it's maybe the third or the fourth one. Don't quote me on that, but there's been tax amnesties before. So they've just come out of a tax amnesty. So to believe that there's political will to have a digital nomad visa when remote workers already have a basis for staying in Indonesia long-term if they want their social visit, their business, their social visit visas, their business visas and the like, uh, to believe that they're gonna pass something new. I I don't think so. I don't think so. When I speak to my colleagues in Jakarta, mm, they're not seeing it. Of course it could happen, you know, anything could happen, but it's very, very unlikely. So yeah, I wouldn't hold my breath listening out for any, or looking out for any digital nomad visa from from Indonesia. And that it's a reminder because this thing, this story has been everywhere. So it's always a reminder to, to look at stories and in, from influencers, including me, you know, <laughs> Be, look at everything with a critical eye. You know, does this person have expertise to speak on what they're speaking about? Do they have boots on the ground? Uh, they just sitting somewhere reading stuff on the internet and repeating it to you. So just, you know, don't believe everything you hear on YouTube is my point. Okay, moving on. Okay, somebody's asking about can I be resident in a country with a treaty with the U.S and by claiming residency in the US only avoid foreign taxes yeah we get this we get this I, I know where you're coming from so there are especially when there's a double you know when there's a double tax agreement there are certain provisions within the tax treaty to have you legally avoid tax in one jurisdiction because you claim a closer connection or you claim to still be properly resident and domiciled in the other one so it is possible for for the U.S. to get a certificate of tax residency, I think it's a form 6166, by completing a form 8802 or something like that, an application for U.S. tax residency certification. And we've seen it, for example, clients with Spain. Uh, Spain is a popular one for, for us. So someone will come and say, well, I'm living in Spain, but I heard that you can get the certificate of tax residency saying that you're being taxed in the US and you've relieved of the obligation to pay taxes in Spain. Of course, it is possible, but remember these documents are uh, done under penalty of perjury. So there must be a genuine closer connection as described by the treaty. And you must have a place of abode. You must have a place available for your use. I know people come to us and say, well, I can use my sister. I can use my brother's address. That That is, that is kind of legal to misrepresent or lie to the IRS and to lie, if it is your resident in Spain or France or whatever, to lie to the tax office in in that jurisdiction. So be careful, kind of be careful with that. And as I said earlier, in response to one of the previous questions, yes, I'm perfectly aware, we're not gonna do it. So unless we're convinced that you really do, you really are still, properly resident and you have that closer connection, your place of abode, habitual abode, whatever, is still in the US. We go through all the tests. We go through what the treaty requires. We go through the IRS rules. We go through the rules of Spain. If it is we're comfortable that you chapels those boxes, yes, we're gonna do our job. But if we think you're trying to cut corners and you're trying to be a bit aggressive in your tax planning, uh, we're gonna say thank you, but no thank you. And I'm sure, I, I know you go online and there are like a million people who do it for you. But remember what we mentioned earlier about enablers. So if one of them gets caught because of another client, then all of their clients are subject to audit and investigation. So even if you do the right thing by virtue of being with a client of a tax team who plays fast and loose with the rules, if one of their clients get caught, you automatically get investigated, you automatically get audited. So can not keep that in mind? I always say when it comes to the tax authorities, you don't mess with them. You just do things the right way. No sleepless nights. You you know, you know, can just feel comfortable not to look over your shoulder. Just know that you feel that measure of comfort in doing the right thing. So I hope that helps. Okay, so someone who, this is a long question by, by Joy. Okay, uh, I'll read it. Because I will not try to summarize it because I think it's important. You made certain key points. I'm going to read it all out, right? So do you have any suggestions for countries to consider with reasonable overall tax situations for U.S. citizens and with residency available? So you need to get residency. Okay. Running a small consulting business that needs to, that you need to operate and manage in the location of re- residency, that would otherwise be impacted by foreign control restrictions. So I guess what you're saying here is that you have a a consulting business and management and control is going to be exercised from within the borders of the jurisdiction in which you enter. So like your one or two person show and, you know, so management and control. So when you're looking for that place, you need to consider not just personal taxes, but corporate tax implications as well. Okay, I got you. Ideally, we pay less taxes overall than living in the US. And we don't want to live in Puerto Rico. Okay. <laughs> because you know everybody's going to say, hey, Puerto Rico. But okay, you've made it particularly clear that you don't want to live in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is a great place. And we're actually going to do a live stream with my colleague, with uh a firm, associate from Puerto Rico, uh coming soon. I don't remember where when exactly, but have a look at hj.ta forward slash events. We can find out not just about that upcoming Puerto Rico event but the in-person event in portugal early next year as well okay so if it matters we can stipulate all income is from the business all clients are outside the country of residency so i guess all clients are in the us all your clients in the us okay i got you our personal criteria you want warm you want a warm winter you want warm weather okay no snow and otherwise, stable weather, so no regular hurricanes or typhoons. Okay, I got you. Allows for gay marriage by law. Okay, that's important. Uh, Excellent, stable internet speed, 25 megs or higher, decent healthcare, moderate cost of living. That is 4K ish for all expenses, apt to tax for a couple in a three bedroom or bigger. Business criteria. If we're recognizing that the business there, if we're reorganizing the business there, it needs to have reliable banking and it must work with Stripe. Wow. <laughs> well, enjoy that. That is a pretty comprehensive uh, message. Okay. So hmm, the thing is, sometimes there's a trade off. So if it is that you want developed infrastructure in terms of reliable banking and stuff like that, basically, All things being equal, you're gonna be in a jurisdiction that's gonna tax you. Generally speaking, the jurisdictions that don't tax you don't have all the infrastructure that you're looking at. The one exception, of course, is Dubai. So Dubai is at this point 100% tax-free. But remember, you heard it here first: that that 9% corporate tax that they've levied on internal activity is just the beginning. They're being put under tremendous pressure to get rid of that free zone system, but. We'll deal with that in another call. We're gonna do uh, a live stream on the Middle East, on the Gulf region later on this year, I think. So stay tuned for that. Task file slash events. So Dubai will be an exception. The problem with Dubai is that with the banking, it doesn't really fit into, you won't get full features on PayPal and Stripe. The banking isn't like first top tier banking. And of course, there's seven Emirates in the United Arab Emirates, not just Dubai, Dubai is the most popular, I guess, of all seven. Uh, the problem is that you stipulated that uh, gay marriages need to be recognized. So that that, that will be a problem because they, the Gulf area in general is very traditional, or you know, no judgment, it's their culture, it's their religion, whatever. So it works, you know, Dubai is very tolerant. Once you don't talk about it, and you keep a low profile. But yeah, it's 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 one of those sensitive issues. So with that being a key factor, you're looking at Western Europe. That's 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 it. To check all of those boxes, I would say you'd be looking at Western Europe, and of course, Western Europe is not normally synonymous with tax efficiency, especially if you're going to run a country from a, a company. Sorry, from within their jurisdiction so yeah uh there are attractive regimes so for example ireland so we did a live stream in ireland with our colleagues from dublin an accounting firm as well as an immigration firm you can have a look at our website for that one so there are you know when you're running a business ireland is very business friendly i'm sure you'd be able if you want to to relocate your business there uh there's, there's, of course, Portugal, uh, which is, is pretty popular right now. And the good thing about Europe, as opposed to, let's say, the Middle East, is that you put yourself on a pathway to citizenship, because you said residency is important. But the point is, you're not going to be zero tax. You can definitely be, relative to the US, low tax, but you're not going to be zero tax. By, by coming to certain countries in Western Europe. So I'd say have a look at Ireland, maybe even have a look at the UK, but from an immigration point of view, UK is very, very difficult right now, post Brexit to get into. It is possible, anything is possible, but uh, it's gonna be difficult, but quite popular right now would be, I think Portugal, Spain, Ireland. There are certain tax regimes, so there's the, non-dom regime in ireland and the uk the flat tax regimes like italy switzerland other parts of the eu uh spain as a back in law nhr and portugal what you may want to consider as well is restructuring your business before you enter western europe if it is that you you do decide in western europe And one of the ways we advise our clients, you know, if business is doing well, things are scaling. So maybe it's time to appoint a CEO. And if you have a CEO in the US, so some people already have a, a network of independent contractors. If you make, you know, whoever your number two person, if that number two person becomes the CEO and you incorporate in their jurisdiction, if it is that they are in the US or they might be in the Philippines or they might, you know, somewhere that it can be an interesting jurisdiction from a tax point of view. It may be worth running the numbers. So in short, to answer your question, given all the criteria you're looking for, you know, fast Wi-Fi, maybe. And one of the other things that I don't like about Dubai as well is the whole VPN situation. Because I' met so many of my clients, I, I do calls with them on WhatsApp, and you know so many of my apps are kind of it kind of gets annoying having to toggle and play with those VPNs. But I would have said Dubai were it not for your your relationship situation, your relationship situation, plus, yeah, your relationship situation kind of would make Dubai not a primary option. I think you're looking at. Western Europe, but you would need to compromise on the tax situation. So you, you can probably work with your preferred advisor. You can reach out to us on a way of bringing your tax bill down because you can enjoy the foreign earned income exclusion section 911. You, you know, you can there are certain benefits that can bring you depending on how you structure your LLC. So, you know, it can come down, but down to zero. Probably not unless you know, yeah. Okay, hope that helps. Get advice, have a conversation, but you're probably looking at Western Europe, particularly Portugal or Arab. Okay, moving on. This one is, hi Hannah, see the question below. Hannah is my colleague. So uh, Hannah is the one that emailed you guys to remind you from Eventbrite about this event. Okay, so please see the question below for the webcast. U.S. taxes for international entrepreneurs and expats. The question below was not answered during last webcast. Okay, so I guess this person attended the live stream that we did last week on U.S. Portugal. So, okay, so they didn't get that question answered. We got so many. The ones for Portugal and Spain, they're like our top live streams. We get hundreds of people logging in and they're sending us dozens of questions and we rarely get through all of them. So I I apologize for that. But yeah, Spain and Portugal are just so popular right now. So the question was not answered last week. The question is not about nexus in the U.S. So assume that all work is performed outside of the U.S. Sales tax. Assume that work performed is consulting. So somebody's doing some consulting. Okay, they want to be compliant with the non-U.S. and the local and international laws. They want to legally avoid U.S. income tax. The question is about avoiding U.S. payroll taxes, FICA, Social Security, Medicare, self-employment taxes, et cetera. The last, last week address all of the questions above without answering the question below, okay. So, okay, I'm not too sure what you're asking exactly. So if it is that you, uh, you haven't identified whether you are a U.S. person or not. So where are, you, are you a U.S. citizen? a green card holder, a lawful permanent resident or someone who's triggered substantial presence. And so you have us tax filing responsibilities, right? But if it is, let's say that you're not right, then you can set up, yes, you're free to set up a, a company in your jurisdiction of choice. So for example, I guess you, you were on the call last week, so maybe you in Portugal. So yes, you can absolutely, you can set up something in Portugal. And you can run it from Portugal because you're the place of management and control of your chosen company or whether you're self-employed or whatever, you won't, as long as you stay out of the U S you should have no U S tax responsibilities as a consultant. So all your, your sole source of income from the U S is consulting and you're sitting in Portugal. You should have no U S tax responsibilities. However, if it is that you are a U.S. taxpayer by virtue of being a citizen, uh, a lawful permanent resident, or someone who's triggered substantial presence, then obviously you're taxing your worldwide income regardless of where you are. So you will have U.S. tax responsibilities at a personal level, but your company, if you're a one person show, your company is being run from Portugal. So from a corporate point of view, it'll be all about Portugal. So you can... You can do self employed in Portugal. You can set up a a, uni pessoal, an LDA. They are a one person company in Portugal. But your corporate responsibilities will be in Portugal. And in terms of social security, then because you're resident in Portugal, then your social charges will be payable to Portugal, not to the US. So you should have no self employment tax. you You should have. None of the social charges in FICA, social security, nothing to the US. Everything goes to Portugal based on the income that you pull out. So it's gonna be a little bit higher though. So self-employment taxes in the US are 15.3%. In Portugal, you're looking at around 21, 22%. So that's that's something to, to keep in mind. But your social charges will be to Portugal, not to the US. Your only US tax responsibility would be personal. If you are still a U.S. taxpayer. Okay. I hope that helps. Okay. So again, yes, I'm not going to answer anything about TV. And if, okay, enough, I'm not, not going to talk about that. So I'm just scrolling down a list of questions. So someone is asking, Therese is asking, I'd like to find out about incorporating in Delaware while doing business outside of the u.s so absolutely the u.s is one of the most liberal economies on planet earth so you absolutely you didn't say whether you're a u.s person or not but regardless of whether you're a u.s person or you're not you are you're free to incorporate a company in delaware you you can absolutely do so the choice of of you know like state within the union because Uh, an LLC is something that's formed at the state level. So you first have to go to a state, for example, Delaware and form it. And then once you've done that, then you go to the federal government and say how you would like it to be taxed because the federal government doesn't exactly know how to treat an LLC. So you need to tell them. If you don't say anything and it's a one person, it's a single member LLC, then it's treated as a disregarded entity, right? So, If it is a multiple, there's more than one member, then it'll be treated as the default would be a partnership, but you can elect to have it treated as a C Corp or an S Corp, a C Corp as a non-US person, but an S Corp is limited to US persons. Okay. I see you just wrote below that you are a US person. Okay, fine. So you're asking whether using a Delaware company while a Delaware LLC while living and working outside of the US. Is it better than being self-employed? Okay, so here's, here's the deal. From There's no tax benefit to forming an LLC, to forming a single member LLC, as opposed to just uh, having you have invoicing your clients in your own name, being self-employed. There's no tax benefit, absolutely none. So those who kind of peddle that idea, they kind of might be misleading. Oh, maybe they refer to facts and circumstances that are unique to that situation but generally speaking, there's no tax benefit to be had from being a single member LLC. It's not about taxes. It is actually about liability because I think it was Bill Gates. Bill Gates was an inter- in some sort of interview and he was asked like, what's the best invention of the, the 20th century? And you'd expected him to speak about some sort of technology, but he actually said, no, a limited liability company because before that, when someone wanted to go into business, chances are they had to go into business in their own name. And then if things went wrong, they would be fully liable for the debt, uh, the debt or the losses that that business endeavor incurred. So, you know, their homes, their vehicles, their horses or, or whatever it is, right? They can be fully liable, but then suddenly we saw the proliferation and promotion of limited liability companies. And then it does what it says, it limits the liability. So suddenly people could be more entrepreneurial because if things didn't go right the first time, and as an entrepreneur, you know, most people fail and succeed, that's just the way it is. Then suddenly your losses will be limited to what you invested in that company. You won't be exposed to, you know, unlimited liability where people could come and take your personal assets for your failed business endeavor. So so that was amazing, that's absolutely great. So to answer your question, the LLC is really about protecting yourself from lawsuits So, protecting yourself uh, from the activity of of the business. And especially with the US, obviously, the US is a very litigious place, a client or customer might get upset. And they can sue you. So you really want to have uh, an LLC. And it's not just about forming an LLC. You need to be conscious of where you're going to form it because that might be informed by where you are, where the customers are, where you may have nexus, et cetera, et cetera. And you need to run it in a, a formal way. So you need to keep, you need to segregate the funds from your personal funds. You need to treat it in the way in which one can say that it is a separate legal entity from you. So in the event of some sort of legal dispute, the veil of incorporation cannot be passed. So the person that's suing you can't go through the company and come after you personally. So it's really important to, to treat the LLC in a way that it is a separate business from you, okay? But generally speaking, there is no tax benefit. If it is, you, as you mentioned, you're running it from outside of the US, you'd probably wanna have a talk with an advisor as to whether the LLC is the best structure for you because most, many jurisdictions that uh, freelancers or remote workers go to, they have rules around management and control. So if it is that you're running the company, even though it's a US company, but you're running it from within their borders, then you know there may be corporate tax implications to that. So you'd probably wanna get advice before you go forward with it, I hope that helps. Okay, yeah, you're welcome. Okay. So I'm seeing one more question that I didn't answer yet. Sorry, but let me do a quick look on Facebook to see if there are any questions on Facebook. Okay, nope. I'm seeing nothing there. Okay. So. Okay, great. Okay, so last question. <laughs> Somebody's asking about influencers and YouTubers. Uh, personally, on TikTok, I, I really like Duke Loves Taxes. You know, he's, he's, I've met Duke, and you know, he's a really, really good guy. He knows his stuff. He's genuine and he's, you know, he doesn't exaggerate in in terms, you know, some people kind of like overplay certain tax benefits or certain planning opportunities because, you know, they, they want to attract views. He's very factual. He's entertaining, but factual and honest. So on TikTok, my favorite is Duke Loves Taxes. And I also follow him. He has like 3.4 million followers on TikTok and he's also popular on Instagram. So I follow him on both on YouTube. Every day I watch uh, Nomad Capitalist. I know that's that he's probably the most popular in this space, the international tax and immigration space. So every, everyone I know kind of watches him, Nomad Capitalist. He's, he was the first and he's done an amazing job. Absolutely brilliant guy. As he said last week, there are two other guys in the space who kind of follow him. Uh, they kind of like patent themselves after him. This will be offshore citizen and wealthy expat. Uh, I watch them as well. You know, they, those are great guys as well. But you Nomad know, Capitalist, he's, he has, he's surrounded himself with some really clever advisors. So he knows where to go and where not to go in terms of what he's putting forward in terms of information. I think the other two may not be as sophisticated as him. So they sometimes stumble and they get into spaces where they they get it wrong or may intentionally violate certain rules that they may not be aware of because they don't have as much experience as as nomad capitalists. but all all three are great and I watch all three all the time yeah uh they're all great content they're all great content but in in the international space yeah I think yeah I think that, that that that's that's what I look for so I hope that helps uh and they oh I forgot to mention in the and the summit that we're having in Portugal next year, I, Duke loves taxes. So Duke, he, he's gonna he's gonna be there to share some of his his wisdom from a U.S. tax planning perspective. And I, this guy, check him out. Duke loves taxes. He's really really good. Just do a search for Duke loves taxes. Okay. All right. So I think that's it. If there are no further questions, thank you so much for joining us today. Again, we do this every week. I think next week we're doing Australia. So if you have any exposure, any interest in cross-border issues, international tax issues with Australia, US, Australia, or Australia anywhere, please uh, feel free to join us and submit your questions in advance. And we'll we'll go through them in the order in which we receive. So again, great to see you guys. Thank you for joining us. This is available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Have a look at hdj.task.com slash events if you want to log in for a future one. And more importantly, we want to see you in person. So next January, end of January for Nomad Offshore Summit in sunny Portugal. Have a good evening, morning, day, depending on where you are. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye now.